You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Romans chapter 12. We have been talking about how to recognize the voice of God. We've gone a long way. Today is part seven. And so I really want to encourage you, if you have missed any of the parts, is to go back and listen to them again, because we've had a look at some very, very, very important aspects of how to recognize the voice of God, recognizing that Jesus said we would hear His voice. Not that we need to listen and then He'll start speaking. He's talking all the time. And He said that we hear it. And sometimes we may think, but I don't hear Him. And He said, no, you do. And so if we do hear him, then I need to recognize what that voice is. And so we've looked through the word of God and we've discovered that the voice of God is that conscience within us, that inner man, that spirit. It's that feeling of sensitivity to the word of God is not the feeling in the flesh. We led within the spirit through peace and through God's guidance and counsel. And so he is the Holy Spirit who's revealing to us the very will of God and showing us things to come. Now, I made the point as we closed off last week that we can only hear God to the level of what we know His Word to be. That if we are not cautious and we don't renew our minds to the Word of God, that we would find it very difficult to recognize who is God and who is the devil speaking. How you know the devil knows how to sound spiritual? I mean, he is a spirit being, and he's an imitator. He's a counterfeit, and so he knows how to counterfeit God, and he knows how to appear as an angel of light, the Bible even says. How many of you also found out that your own thoughts can mislead you as well? And so if our thoughts contradict the way God thinks, we can confuse and muddy the water. And I want to have a look at that today. We saw in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. Notice your body is not you. You are a spirit being. Say that I am a spirit. I have a soul. My mind, will, and emotions. And I live in a body. So you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, how you know the devil works very hard to conform people to evil? He's even working right now at changing legislation to legalize sin. A lot of sin has already been legalized. And as long as the enemy keeps working through the forces of media, through the forces of peer pressure, through political correctness, he can eventually get someone to be convinced that even though it's wrong, they actually believe it's right. And anybody that would contradict that is the bigot. That's the problem. That's the person with the issue. That's the judgmental person. Yet the word of God tells us very clearly that he is, Jesus is the way, the truth, And the life. There's not an alternative way. He's not one of the philosophies, one of the religions. There's many ways to God. No, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we've got to be cautious that we don't land up because of all this noise in the world being conformed to the world. How do we counter that? He says, by the be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
Why would we do that? Why do we remove our, why do we renew our minds? That we may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, until we know God's will, we won't be able to walk in the fullness of what He's called us to, the perfect will. We begin with being saved in the good will of God. That's God. Everyone that's born again, they will die and go to heaven one day. Everyone who's serving Jesus. Everyone says, the Lord is my Savior. You're saved. Amen. But then I want to find out His word. And when you discover His word, you move into the acceptable will of God. You find out God wants you healed. God wants you delivered. God wants you provided for. He wants to protect you. He wants you to know His ways. But the purpose for that is His desire to get you to His perfect will. Exactly what He's called you to do. What is your place in the kingdom? What is your purpose? And to be able to walk in the fullness of that. Now we understand that we'll never grow in that unless we're aware of what the Word of God has to say about it. So it's in the renewing of the mind, I change what I think is right. Even when it comes to religious matters, I thought church was this way. I thought that's the way we do it. I thought that's the way it's always been done. And then you discover from God's Word, it's different. And then what do I do? I have to reject the old way of thinking, renew my mind to God's way of thinking, so it adjusts my life, and then I start moving into the perfect will of God. Hallelujah. And so if my mind is not renewed, it's very difficult to be led by God. And in fact, quite possible to be led by the devil. I don't think any of us want to be led by the devil. See, our unrenewed mind can lead us into believing a lie. If the heart believes the lie, we cannot be accurately guided by the Holy Spirit. Let me show this to you. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to read this from the Living Bible. Paul is dealing with an issue here. The, really, the two letters of Corinth are... Letters where this church was very zealous for God. They would, you know, they had a lot of different teachers coming through, and everybody had different ideas and different ways of teaching. And they would go with this one, and then they would go with that one. And they, and and so what they would do is they had a lot of concerns and a lot of issues would be would rise up. I know it's the same for us when we first get saved. Then we say things like, "Can Christians do this?" Uh, and now that I'm a Christian, do we do that? Are we allowed to go, yeah, I heard Christians can't do this, and Christians can't do that. And that's kind of our idea, and we're trying to find out what's right and wrong. And so they would write to Paul and send him these different questions. And then as an apostle of God, he would answer it from the Word of God, either from Scripture or his experience. And sometimes he would say, look, the Word doesn't say anything yet, but this is my opinion. And so, of course, when it comes to opinion, it's up to you whether you accept it or not. But when the word is written, then that is the fact. And so he would go through this, this and, uh, and, and answer different questions. And he got down to chapter 8 in verse 1. He says, next is your question about eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. Now, why would they ask? about whether they can eat food sacrificed to idols. Well, Corinth was a very large city. 
very cosmopolitan. A lot of different nations would go through there, different influences. And also, they had a lot of foreign gods. And then they would set up these temples to worship their foreign gods. People would bring their animals as sacrifices. And they would have these sacrifices every day. And as a result, the temple would land up with a surplus of dead animals. And so what they did is they would open a restaurant adjoining the temple and open up this as a side business. So they got all this free meat coming in through sacrifices and then sell it within the restaurants as food. And so what would happen is the Christians who were in Corinth, some of them, would go to these restaurants and go and eat food. So they're not in the temple, they're in the restaurant part, but they are aware this animal that they're eating was sacrificed to idols. And there were some Christians that felt that that was wrong. Because if the animal is sacrificed to an idol, now you're eating it. Now, how do you know that we can have food in our, rest, in our, in our, even in our supermarkets that can be marked by another religion as having been blessed by their religion? You, 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 and now, do I eat that? Am I allowed to eat this? Because it's, you know, it's been blessed by another uh, priest or something. And that's what they were saying, is that because it's been sacrificed to an idol, is it right to eat it? And so they asked St. Paul this question. There's those that say we shouldn't eat the meat that's sacrificed to idols. Others say, I'm fine with it. It's, it's an idol. And I'm eating the meat. And so Paul answers it. And he says, on this question, you're looking at it, verse 1. Next is your question about eating food that has been sacrificed to idols. On this question, everyone feels that only his answer is the right one. Have you noticed that? The vaxxers and the anti-vaxxers. <laughs> everyone believes they are right. Family, we wouldn't have arguments if everybody was, if we knew, I know I'm wrong, but I just want to be wrong. No, what we believe, we believe because we believe it's right. Come on. There's not one person, I don't believe there's anybody that's doing something wrong, even though they know it's wrong, and they say, you know what, I want to be wrong. I'm not talking about doing something illegal, because if they're doing it illegal, they've usually got a justification for why they're doing it. What I'm saying is, uh, they, they absolutely believe they're right. And that's where arguments come from. That's where dissensions come from. Because everyone believes they are right. That's what Paul says here. Everyone thinks their answer is the right one. But although being a know-it-all makes us feel important, what is really needed to build the church is love. Now that's a good verse for those that are on social media. Feels good to be a know-it-all, but really what's more important is love. Now, if anyone thinks he knows all the answers, he's just showing his ignorance. But the person who truly loves God is the one who is open to God's knowledge. So now, what about it? Should we eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols? Well, we all know that an idol is not really a god. There's only one god and no other. 
Now, according to some people, there are a great many gods, both in heaven and earth, but we know there is only one God, the Father, who created all things and made us to be His own, and one Lord Jesus Christ, who made everything and gives us life. So what's Paul saying? If the idol doesn't exist, then was the meat really sacrificed to an idol? It's just someone dropped their meat off. Because it's not a god anyway. It, 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 it's a piece of wood on a pedestal, and someone put some meat in front of it. So it doesn't exist. You're getting the point. So, verse 5. According to some people, there are a great many gods. We read that. Verse 7. However, some Christians don't realize this. All their lives, they've been used to thinking of idols as alive. And they've believed that food offered to the idols is really being offered to an actual God. So, when they eat such food, it bothers them. And it hurts their tender consciences. Everybody say tender consciences. Now, we've already discussed what is the conscience. That's your heart. That's your inner man. That's where God communicates to you through. Through that inner man. Everyone say, the inner man. Say, my conscience is the voice of my heart. Say it again. My conscience is the voice of my heart. And he says here, because they're doing something they think is wrong. It hurts their conscience. Now, it's important to see that. Now, listen to this. Just remember, God doesn't care whether we eat it or not. Huh. So it's not a sin. I said it's not a sin. We are no worse off if we don't eat it, and no better off if we do. So Paul says, it's not even an issue. Say it's not an issue. Now verse 9, but be careful not to use your freedom to eat it, lest you cause some Christian brother to sin whose conscience is weaker than yours. You cause him to sin. But hang on, is eating the meat a sin? No. So then how are you going to cause him to sin? He's saying, yeah, eating the meat is not a sin. But because this brother believes he shouldn't eat the meat, if he eats it thinking he shouldn't, he is hurting his conscience. And that is a sin. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. Because we here... Christians aren't allowed to fill in the blank. A lot of times, like, you know, Christians shouldn't watch movies like that. You're a Christian, you mustn't watch a movie like that. Why not? Well, Christians don't watch that kind of movie. Why not? See, watching the movie is not the sin. 
It's what happens as a result of watching that movie. God doesn't care. All sin is paid for. But we don't use that freedom to sin. Why, doesn't, why do we not sin? It's not so we can get to heaven. It doesn't matter how good you are. That's not what gets to heaven. By grace you save, by faith. Not because of your works. So then why don't we do what is considered sin? Right here is your answer. Because if you understand the conscience... Listen to what it says in 1 Timothy. We're coming back here, so don't lose your place. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Some people are going to leave Christianity because they're believing what the world is saying. They've been influenced by doctrines of demons. And he says yeah, they speak lies in hypocrisy. Now listen to this. Having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Seared. What does seared mean? Have you watched a Western movie where they brand cows? Very painful for the cow, and so I don't give an issue on that. What I'm saying is they would heat up a hot iron till it's red hot, and then they put their mark, their badge, on that cow and hold it there, and it would burn the flesh. And that mark is there as a scar to say that belongs to that cowboy. Now, that flesh has no more feeling. You can push a needle in there, and it wouldn't feel it because it's been burnt. It is seared. There's no more feeling. It's hard. It's callous. How many of you have had a scar where you've injured yourself. You notice the skin around it's fine, but where the scar is, the, the sensitivity is gone. Now the Bible says that through sin, through doing what is wrong, even if we, even if it's right, but we believe it's wrong, and definitely if something is wrong and we do it, what it does is it sears our conscience. We become hardened. So when the Holy Spirit wants to lead us in a certain way, He leads with that small, still voice, that, that peace in the heart, that leaning, that sensitivity to your conscience. Then what happens is He leads that way, but you won't feel it because your conscience has been seared. You're getting this. So that's why it's important to protect your conscience. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says it's not about whether the meat is right or wrong, whether eating it is right or wrong, whether it's a God or right or wrong. He says that's not the issue. God really doesn't care. God knows who he is, and he knows what he's created. He made the food. If you bless it and sanctify it, eat it, it's yours. That's not the issue. What is it doing to your conscience? It goes on in verse 10. You see, this may happen. This is what may happen. Someone who thinks it's wrong to eat this food will see you eating in a temple restaurant and you know there's no harm in it. Then he will become bold enough to do it too, although all the time he still feels it's wrong because you know it's all right to do it. You will be responsible for causing a great spiritual damage to a brother who has a tender conscience for whom Christ died. And it is a sin against Christ, a sin against your brother, 
by encouraging him to do something he thinks is wrong. So, if eating meat offered to idols is going to make my brother sin, I'll not eat of it any as long as I live, because I don't want to do this to him. That's why some people ask me, Pastor Alan, why don't you do this? It's not a sin. Yes, it's not. But I don't want to hurt someone who thinks it is. That's the answer right there. Can you see that? Why? Because I want to protect my brother's conscience. I've learned to protect mine. And I've set up measures to make sure my conscience is protected. Why? Yeah, because I want to be led by God. And He leads with our conscience. So that God leads me with my conscience. It's vitally important to keep my conscience sensitive. See, his unrenewed mind caused him to sin doing something that's right. So something could be right, but he doesn't believe it, will still end up sinning. Not because of the thing, because of his mind, unrenewed mind. So, can you imagine that Christian who thinks it's wrong? If he stood at the door of the temple, seeing other Christians in there, and he heard this message from me. So he says, I can hear God's voice. So he says, Lord, am I allowed to go eat at the restaurant? What do you think his mind's going to hear? No. Because he doesn't believe it's right. Now that's not God telling him he can't. Because God doesn't care. Lord, can I eat you? I don't care. I don't mind. Either way. Isn't that right? That's the answer of God. But because his mind's not renewed to God's will, he will think he's hearing, no. God told me not to eat here. And then get on everybody else's case. Because God said Christians shouldn't eat there. But he hasn't renewed his mind to the word. You're getting this. So can you see how an unrenewed mind can muddy the waters to hearing God's voice? If we want to hear God's voice, family, we have to know the word of God. Remember Romans 14 verse 23 says, Whatever's not of faith is sin. Faith comes by? Hearing, hearing by the word of God. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right, but it can land up in death. So how am I going to know what is right? I can, my conscience can be seared in an area and I'm landing up doing something. I really feel it's right. I'm doing the right thing here. Everybody else agrees it's right but it can still end up destroying me. How's God going to lead me to a way of righteousness is the only way is by renewing my mind. James chapter 1 verse 19. So then my beloved brethren, let everyone, every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear, slow to speak. Say, swift to hear, slow to speak. Now, does that sound like James is saying, I recommend? Does that sound like he's saying, I suggest? He says, let every man. That's a command. 
See, family of God, so many people are so quick. Let you say something, man, flesh responds and out comes their first and they're angry and burst out. And he says, yeah, whoa, be swift to hear, but slow to speak. If you don't know what slow to speak is, count at least 10 slowly. If you count to 10 too fast, try 100. But be slow. <laughs> what if the going to write 10? I'm going to give you my word. <laughs> now, be slow to speak. And notice, slow to wrath. What's that mean? Be slow before you lose your temper. Don't just poof off the calf, get angry because something's been said. Be slow to wrath. Why? For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, it's very important we look at what the therefore is there for. He's talking about slow to respond. Be listening. Do more listening than responding. Why? Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. It's called filthiness. Overflow wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And we looked at this already in detail. The saving of the soul is not talking about the saving of your salvation. Your saving of your spirit is a salvation. Once you're born again, all things pass away. All things become new. But saving the soul is a daily process. What we're we talking about? Renewing the mind. Renewing the mind. You see, family, your spirit, your heart will produce whatever's planted into it. James chapter 1, verse 22, he says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So the person that sits in church and listens to the Bible, listens to the word, listens to the preached word, may be getting their minds renewed, but if they go out and they don't put it into practice, the Bible says they're deceiving themselves. Don't even need a devil. Verse 23. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what man he was. But he looks into the but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, say that's the word of God, and he continues in it, and he's not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now, if anyone among you thinks he is religious, now that word religious is the word threskos. It talks about fear or the worshiping of God. This is not the the, the, the traditional religion. Re religion, the word religion comes from the Latin word religio, which means in bondage. It's a type of bondage. Now, we are bond servants of Jesus. And that's where our fear is. So don't think of religion just as the old traditional stuff that we don't part of anymore. We're talking about, yeah, a fear of God. So if anyone thinks he's doing a great job, he's a great Christian, but listen to this, but does not bridle his tongue deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. In other words, it doesn't matter what you hear here. 
if you don't control your tongue, then what you've heard is useless. So can you see the action of your faith begins with your tongue? Say that. The action of my faith begins with my tongue. Now notice he says we must bridle our tongue. What's bridle mean? What is a bridle? A bridle is that bit that you put into a horse's mouth. So even if the horse wants to go this way, the bridle says, no, we're going that way. And the horse will follow the bridle. He'll follow what he's led to do. So how have you noticed that sometimes your mouth wants to say something? That's quick to respond. But he says, no, be slow to respond. And bridle your lips. You guide your mouth to where it needs to go. And where is that? On the renewed mind to the Word of God. Guiding it to the Word of God. Say this. The action of my faith is guiding my tongue to say what God says. Say this. My words can lie to my heart. And my heart will believe the lie. My unrenewed mind has affected my heart. You see, if I just say whatever I want to say, my mind's going to go in that direction. So I need to guide my mind where it needs to go by the words of my mouth. See, family, even if you've got to be aware of this, everything that is spoken, every word is a seed. And if we don't watch what we're listening to, that seed will get down inside and start to grow. Have you noticed? Seeds grow wherever they want to grow. We live in what you call an eco-estate. An eco-estate is it's, it's an estate of houses, but it's also been recognized by the Western Cape as a nature reserve. So as a result of it being a nature reserve, they only want local fauna. In other words, you're not allowed to have any foreign plants in there. So even your garden, they give you a list. You can't have this, you can't have that, you can't have this because it's not uh, indigenous. And so you're only allowed to use indigenous plants and flora. Now, we have noticed that over being there for many years is that when I first, when the, when the, um, the, the person doing our garden first came in, they brought the plants in. I looked at them and I thought, some of those look like uh, bush plants, you know, we call weeds. I said, those look like weeds. They said, no, they're, they're plants. Obviously, I said, well, no, I recognize that all plants, all plants are plants. Even a weed's a plant. Isn't that right? So they said something very interesting. They said, a weed is a plant out of place. But if you get, it doesn't matter what type of plant it is. If you want that kind of plant, it might be a weed in a, in a tropical garden. But in a... In, a, in an environment like the Western Cape, that is actually a very nice plant. So it gets planted. But over the years, we notice that all of a sudden the garden starts changing. And if you don't look after it, next moment you've got stuff growing here, growing there. And you think, was that the original plant or is that now a weed? And I always think back to this lady saying, the weed is a plant out of place. I'm thinking, did we plant that or is that growing now because it shouldn't be there? And then you suddenly find there's something growing there. That shouldn't be there. Are you getting what I'm saying? Where did that come from? We didn't plant it. 
It was a seed that came in the air and landed, and because no one pulled it out, it grew up to become a plant because it looked like part of the bush, but it wasn't supposed to be there. So the point I'm making, family, is whenever you're listening to something, those words, those seeds are going into your heart, whether you like it or not. That's why it's important. If somebody says something to you, about you, that contradicts the Word of God, that's why you must know what the Word says about you. The Word says it's a mirror. When you look in that mirror, that's who God says you are. Don't believe what people say. So if someone says something to you that contradicts what God says about you, you just need to say, I don't accept that. I don't accept that. Why? I need to stop that seed as it went in my ear. Before it gets to my spirit, my spirit needs to know we don't accept that. Because your heart, if you don't counter it, your heart will accept. doesn't matter what it is. It can be a total lie. If you don't stop it, your spirit will believe it. It'll go in there. It'll grow up. And then one day you're believing something. You know, I don't know why I believe this way. Why am I even thinking this way? It was seeds that got into you. Can you see this? That's why it says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, My son, give attention to my words. Give attention to my words. Why is God asking us to give attention to the word? That's why the enemy will do everything he can to distract you from hearing the word. Have you noticed that while you're in church, all of a sudden a message pops up? Bing. Now all of a sudden we on message, we're going to go and answer the message. Uh, I'm listening. No, no, we're not giving attention. Give attention to the word. That's why, how often do we spend in front of TV? Now again, remember, does God have a problem with TV? No, we're on television. So there was a time when I thought the TV was the devil's eye. But God doesn't have a problem with TV. It's how it's used. But if I'm spending more time on TV than in the Word, I'm not talking about TV in listening to the messages, the gospel. If I'm spending more time in programs and, and sitcoms and all the stuff that is filled with a bunch of lies and junk and cheating and anger and violence. And if I spend more time in that than in the Word of God, what's my majority input? As I said, I, don't, I, I watch television, but I watch the hours. I don't give attention to it. I don't need it. I use it for leisure time, downtime. But again, just because I do it doesn't mean someone else does it. Some people believe they shouldn't do it. Then don't do it. If that's what you're led to do. The point I'm making is, am I giving the word attention? Because I need to, no matter what I'm listening to, I've got to watch what comes in. I've got to watch what I'm listening to. And if something happens, I tell you, it... it I don't care if someone's watching and they say, Janine and I both, we'll sit there together. Something will happen on television we don't agree with. We'll both say, no, that's not right. Say it out loud. Even though we both know it's wrong. We don't think, well, she knows it's wrong. I know it's wrong. 
No, I need to let my spirit man know. You just heard something, and that is not acceptable. That is not God's word. That is not his. Now, if that happens too often, if all I'm doing is watching, I bind that, I cancel it, I bind that. No, I don't accept that. I don't like it. Switch it off. Why, why do you have to sit there <laughs> with this constant word filter? Are you, are you getting what I'm saying? So the point I'm making, sometimes things come up, but deal with it. Why? Because you want to keep your conscience sensitive. So make sure you're spending more time in the Word of God so you can develop that within your conscience. Say amen. Give attention to the Word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Why? They are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. What's that saying? Protect your heart. Why? Out of it spring the issues of life. The New Living Translation says, Guard your heart above all else, for determines the course of your life. See, Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's what's in your heart, family. We've got to guard our hearts. Protect it. Amen. Don't just let any junk get down there. Because I want to be listening to God. Now, how do you transform that heart? How do you get the word down there? The Bible says in Psalm 45 verse 1, My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You write the word of God in your spirit by speaking it. So family of God, I really want to encourage you. Guard your heart. Protect it. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And we'll have a look at that next time, is how important that is. Because when you understand that what you say, it could be a joke. Someone says, but I'm joking. No, the fact that you said it came from somewhere. That means your heart's already in the place of being okay with saying that. And if you're okay with saying it, and your head maybe say, but I'm joking. Your spirit man doesn't know about joking or not joking. It'll produce what's in it. It'll produce that seed into a harvest. And so we don't want to do that. We don't want to be saying things that will destroy our lives down the line. And we don't know why. Amen. So make sure that we keep our, our words in line with what God's word says. Renew our mind to the Word. Spend more time in the Word than we do with other things that influence us away. And then, out of that abundance, you, you speak and declare it. Why? You are guarding your heart to stay sensitive. You want your conscience to be sensitive. And if you sense something is wrong, it's a sin, don't do it. Don't think, oh, other Christians do it. No, I want to make sure that my conscience is clear. So when God speaks, I'm led by His Spirit. Amen.
Did you get something this morning? Come on, let's give Jesus praise for his word. Let's stand together. Let's do it right now. The tongue is a pen of a ready writer. That's why I do a confession at the end. Sometimes people wonder, why do we do it? Maybe the confession is the time I can quickly run out and get my car before everyone else is out. No, 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 no. This, this is writing time. See, I teach. Now we're going to write. That's the purpose behind confession. When I say, please say this after me, it's not because I'm wanting to hear you. I do want to hear you. But there's a purpose. Because I know if I hear you, your spirit's hearing you. And that word that I've just said is now being written onto your heart. Say that. Lift your hand. Say, I've heard the word of God. And faith has risen in my heart. I am a believer, not a doubter. And as a hearer of God's word, I'm also a doer. Today, I am doing. Right now, as I speak, I'm writing the truth on my heart. God has saved me. He has cleansed me of unrighteousness. For the purpose of being led by Him. My spirit has been cleansed of all sin, of all unrighteousness. So that I can be sensitive to His leading. My conscience is sensitive. Now, I'm going to make sure I guard my heart to ensure that I don't sear my conscience. When I hear the word of God, it renews my mind. And by renewing my mind, I know God's will. So when I keep God's will, when I walk in line with His will, I am guarding my heart, keeping my conscience clear and sensitive. So whenever the Holy Spirit speaks, I hear Him with clarity, no confusion, no muddy over the waters, I hear clearly because my mind is renewed to His will in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God. So every time I take the word, by His stripes I've been healed, my spirit believes it and begins to work that health into my flesh. Every time I say, my God supplies all my need. He gives me richly all things to enjoy. I have an abundance for every good work. Then what happens? My spirit believes that and begins to work it out into my flesh. Amen. Then when God leads you, he takes you into the way to do that. Amen.